This is the Urban Political, the podcast on urban theory, research, and activism. We delve into contemporary urban issues with scholars, activists, and policymakers from around the world, providing informed views, state-of-the-art knowledge, and unusual insight. The podcast aims to advance our understanding of urban environment. And how we might make them more just and democratic. Welcome to the Urban Political Podcast. This week's podcast, Reclaiming the Tourist City, explores the rise of tourism as a political subject in today's cities. As in many other places,、uh, Berlin has experienced a huge boom in tourism of the last ten years. We'll be exploring this political issue in relation to a very particular site in the city, Checkpoint Charlie.、Uh, what we're interested in particular is、uh, how this process has unfolded around a, a development controversy, and what this means for、uh, left-wing politics in the city and the broader relevance of the case uh, for uh, cities worldwide. In Berlin, we have the particularly interesting context of having, since 2016,、uh, a left or left-of-center coalition government of the Social Democrats. Uh, the Left Party and the Greens. My name is Markus Kip, and I'm your host, together with my colleague Ross Beveridge. This is part two,、um, looking at the attempts to regain con- democratic control over the development process at Checkpoint Charlie. In part one, we looked at the issues of heritage and urban development at Checkpoint Charlie. Um, we considered the question of、uh, what it would mean to do justice to the heritage at Checkpoint Charlie, and how to reconnect this tourist bubble back to the urban society of Berlin. And I'd just like to begin with with a statement from、uh, Teresa Kailaka, whom we heard before, who who is an architect and.、Um, An activist、uh, around heritage issues in Berlin,、um, and she has been very outspoken、uh, at the Checkpoint Charlie. And、uh, this is her assessment of the governing coalition. It's the first time, obviously, that we have that window of opportunity with the more left-wing government and the more maybe the Greens standing for more sustainable development. Um, that we have a constellation in politics、uh, who see it differently, which I think is a big chance、um, to to make sure that、um, Checkpoint Charlie is not becoming a purely commercially developed site, which has no、um, authentic memory of the past. This episode、uh, is focused on. The political processes、uh, around the Checkpoint Charlie case, and we'll be hearing from Christoph Sommer again, a researcher at the Humboldt University and activist uh, uh, engaged with this this issue of Checkpoint Charlie and tourism in Berlin more generally. We'll be hearing from uh, a parliamentarian from the, the the Left Party, Katalin Genborg. Uh, who will uh, talk about the uh, intransparency uh, 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 around the, uh, uh, this process, this urban development of Checkpoint Charlie? 
It shows uh, what task we have to face now. Because uh, if you see how many uh, intransparent uh, contracts are made to develop places uh, all the time, uh, then you see what is the what is one of the big problems. Because what happened at Checkpoint Charlie was Trockland was not even the owner of the plots. They just had an idea, they had a good lobby, and they had a lot of social democrats working for them. So And then they had the di directly contact to the Bürgermeister. And that brought them to this level of, um, yeah, being able to say what they want. They had the money, they organized the money, and as well, they have a lot of uh, developments in the whole city, so they were well known as uh, investors. Yeah, so I think um, the development of Checkpoint Charlie was um, quite for a long time a classic example for um, backroom politics. And um, like Katalin Genbock um, rightly states, and then this Uh, backdoor um, politics or development process was um, opened up by an engaged um, public. But in more general terms, it is maybe interesting that um, in Berlin we can observe from my point of view um, as, um, that there are these old school modes of governance um, these, with the strong connections to investors and so on um, existing. But at the same time, there are more progressive um, projects which are much more participatory. So these um, different modes of governance, they do not... Um, Uh, or they um, they seem to us as scientists maybe contradictory, or but but in practice they 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 work. So we can observe these um, different modes of of um, project development and governance at the same time. And um, sorry, in the checkpoint Charlie process, you, both both are operating at the same time. In the in the checkpoint Charlie um, process, it was like that that we had at the beginning the classic um, backdoor politics issue. So this was um, pro problematized by the by the issue public, if you want it like that, that um, emerged during the process, and this was um, problematized, sized, um, scandalized in a little in in a way, and that helped to open up the process a little bit. So this um, is um, the Checkpoint Charlie case. But um, when you look on a more general level at urban development projects in Berlin, then in my opinion, you can observe um, at least two modes of, of governance in uh, such um, real estate um, projects. Now, when you think, for example, about the Haus der Statistik, um, which is um, really, really designed in a more participatory way so this is um, um, really a project which um, represents much more the ambition of a um, social democratic green party, left-wing party understanding of urban politics. But at the same time, you have these old connections, of course, which um, still have um, effects until today. So like we see it at the Checkpoint Charlie place, which um, was opened up very, very lately. Um, by uh, by an uh, 
engaged um, issue issue public. Mm. So experts. Experts. In this case, experts. And later on, very, very few, um, very, very few residents entered um, the, the, the process because um, today there are not so many people really living in the area next to Checkpoint Charlie. Another account from uh, Katalin Genburg, the left uh, party politician, in which she, I think, um, has a different account of uh, such urban politics and what's the task ahead uh, for the party at Checkpoint Charlie. In this place, for me, it was not only about uh, how should Checkpoint Charlie in general look like or what does what could be a better touristic uh, attraction or alternative touristic attraction. It was more the general aim of cutting out this piece uh, from the uh, general ongoing valorization in the whole city. Mm -hmm. And if you have the chance to take off one plot or another, then you should do it. This, this is what I think. Uh, we should definitely have a look on the whole city And yeah, to see how we can cut out pieces um, from the uh, general making money uh, policy, what we're uh, facing everywhere. There is this taking over the city plot by plot. Is that, is that the approach of, of the current government? Um, yeah, um Of course, there is a recommunalization debate going on in Berlin, and this is more than a debate. There is a recommunalization taking place. The government is buying back um, apartment houses, for example, and of course, um, in the case of Checkpoint Charlie. And to get back to the question how to reintegrate Checkpoint Charlie again into the inner city life, the, the question of buying at least parts of the empty spaces um, back is um, at the table on the table and um, at the moment it looks like that that um, there seems to be um, political support to buy back at least the area which is um, planned for the for the museum so I think that um, when I look back at the planning process, that for a long time, all three political parties involved in the coalition right now did not very much take care about Checkpoint Charlie. So um, they, from my point of view, thought um, that the um, deal would work, the letter of intent between uh, the Senate, and which, was, which was not official, the letter of intent between the Senate and the investor would, would, would work and everything, and nobody would care about Checkpoint Charlie. And of course, this was not um, the case. And so the parties um, slowly started to engage into this process they they obviously um, came to the conclusion that um, a left-wing social democratic green coalition uh, needs to do more about a place um, at a place like checkpoint charlie than realizing a standard um, real estate project yeah 
What, what role does uh, ownership uh, play in this whole debate? Genburg seems to suggest that it is important, ownership. Uh, meanwhile, um, the urban development representative of the Green Party faction, um, Daniela Billig, uh, seems to don't think that this is uh, an important issue. And uh, this is what she says. Es ist für uns halt in diesem B-Plan erstens wichtig, oder was wir tun können, sind die Freiflächen. Was wir tun können, ist festlegen, dass Wohnbebauung auf jeden Fall oder Wohnungen dort auf jeden Fall auch vorhanden sind. Our plan B is focused on the empty spaces, ensuring that apartments are built. Apart from that, it's unclear what kind of ownership structure there should be in the future. To a certain extent, I'm dispassionate about this. It is important to me that something sensible would be developed at Checkpoint Charlie. But who ultimately is responsible for this is secondary. It could be the investor who always wanted to do this. It could be the state of Berlin, if we're sure we have the funds to buy it back. It could be someone completely different. What is important in the Plan B is that something should be developed And something should be designed. Yeah, from my point of view, it is um, absolutely important to get control over the land again. Yeah, and we're not talking about the the whole area which is going to be developed. We are talking about 2,500 nearly 2,500 square meters of 9,000 square meters. So um, these 2,500 square meters need to be um, bought back by the uh, state of Berlin to have the control over the site. So um, it would not work that um, the... State of Berlin rents the museum, for example, from the investor because for the investor it is only um, reasonable to build the museum when it is um, when it has 3,000 square meters um, exhibition area. This is much too big. This would destroy the um, heritage value of the place, and so it makes no sense to um, leave it to an investor to build a museum here. It is much better to um, have the control as state of Berlin and then to have an open discussion about how to deal with this empty spaces. Do we need a museum at all? What kind of museum do we need? How can the space itself um, speak? So um, control is in this case um, the, the only way. I think just yeah, re reflecting back on what Frau Billig said, uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the ownership wasn't important. And I think that reflects probably quite a lot of broader green politics at the moment that uh, they don't have a, a clear idea of uh, uh, or necessarily want to uh, present a clear idea of uh, how to uh, 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 deal with these kinds of questions, uh, uh, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Because as you said, if you have ownership of, of, of land, Uh, you can control it. You can then. You are then freer from the pressures of development if you are actually the owner. And then just to think, obviously, of the the context that we 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 know well in Berlin and other cities, uh, 
uh, how much public land has been sold off, uh, particularly in the last 20 years, uh, uh, huge amounts of public land. And as soon as you give up the land, then you give up a great deal of the control you can have of the process. And obviously it's not to say that public ownership, just public ownership is by itself the the kind of magic solution. But uh, certainly if, if, if you want to talk about democratic control over urban development, you need to have some form of uh, public ownership, you know, even if it's not just anchored in the local state. But is the um, current um, process of rethinking and uh, reshaping the development plan not already uh, a win from the left uh, coalition? I agree. This is um, this is these are um, achievements um, uh, explicitly that um, there won't be any hotel at this place. Um, there are achievements, but we unfortunately um, have to wait a little bit longer because um, now the question is open: How big will the museum be? When it's too big, it will destroy the. Um, heritage value we talked about when it's smaller then this will be much better so um, the government achieved something but um, we absolutely have to take into account that without a huge media debate without public engagement this government um, would have uh, not achieved these goals so um, there are so many um, parties which um, are in in the end um, uh, which contributed um, to this development. Um, can we say that uh, Checkpoint Charlie has become politicized? Um, from my point of view, it um, has become politicized. Um, absolutely. And uh, the 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 parties in the coalition were forced to um, develop um, a position um, regarding the future of this place, and um, yeah, and so far uh, there were various um, uh, people from the urban public, from professionals, few residents in getting involved into this process and. Yeah, the the project was politicized, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, thinking, reflecting on what we've heard uh, in relation to um, our podcast, Marcus, uh, what we want to achieve in the podcast as we, as we establish it. Uh, I suppose you you, you think uh, uh, what uh, what we learn about politics uh, from Checkpoint Charlie and uh, um, what you learn about, uh, I suppose, activism more generally. And, uh, of course, it has been politicized uh, um, within within this more formal process, it seems, around the kind of media, main media outlets in Berlin and these expert groups. And uh, uh, But certainly there's been a politicization there. And and what, what is interesting, I think, though, is that... Um, uh, this tension between the the place uh, at Checkpoint Charlie, uh, uh, this the, kind of the paradox of it in a way that it has seems to have so much. It seems to be uh, a really important place, particularly 
people aren't from Berlin, you always seem to imagine Checkpoint Choi must be this really important place. But for lots of people in Berlin, it isn't uh, that important. It doesn't seem like it's a place that gets them really emotional. Uh, and or when you are here, you can understand that. Uh, and that in some way explains how this uh, uh, politicization occurred through media pressure and through expert groups uh, expressing themselves and putting pressure on this left coalition. Uh, and it was interesting that Christoph said that you know, if there hadn't been this pressure, you wouldn't have had a noticeably different, necessarily a noticeably different development under a left coalition of the Social Democrats, the Greens and the Left Party than you might have had under a, a, a Christian Democrat, a Social Democrat coalition. It might have just run uh, 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 this, uh, the same way if there hadn't been that uh, that intervention. And, uh, and I suppose that trying to think what that means, uh, um, th- there's something about how hard it is to connect those kind of places to other forms of politics in a place that has lots of forms of politics. You know, there's lots of urban politics in Berlin, uh, but it hasn't connected necessarily to these other kind of broader movements around public space. You know, what Genberg was talking about, you know, how you take plot for plot to say, look, it's take it back into public ownership and make it democratic. And that can only, uh, of course, the state can do that, but you can only build a coalition to do that if you have some kind of broader uh, sense of uh, a political project or purpose. And there hasn't been that connecting up of uh, uh, different um, uh, projects in Berlin or, or, or uh, 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 political movements at the moment around housing and gentrification and around these specific sites you mentioned, other empty spaces in Berlin or uh, empty buildings that there might have been. And uh, uh, and that would have been something that might have been uh, transformative. And that also probably says something about how fragmented uh, um, social movements and activism is and you know, how hard it is to build that coalition, even when you have in, uh, uh, in formal politics a quite conducive situation to 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 allow for that, you know, much more conducive than you would have if it was the Christian Democrats and the Social Democrats, you would think, at least theoretically. Uh, uh, and, and then you start thinking, of course, about what does that mean about activism? And, you know, you, you start thinking about all these big slogans, um, right the city and urban commons, uh, 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 all these things that uh, uh, we sometimes think are too big or they lose their meaning very quickly because they get co-opted. But then you realise that you do need these big ideas or certainly need some kind of way of creating a coalition uh, uh, or creating interest. Uh, So the place is not, it's not just about Checkpoint Charlie, it's about democratic ownership of the space, you know, so it becomes something bigger than it is. Um, So I don't know if I have a conclusion, but... uh, 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 I think it, it's an interest. It's an interesting case for lots of reasons, but particularly thinking about our podcast and go, going forward, it, it, it shows lots of uh, the cur- uh, uh, dimensions of the, the current political context, not just in Berlin but in, in other cities uh, elsewhere. Yes, I think you put it beautifully. Um, what lessons can we draw out of this experience, or what lessons can? people outside of Berlin possibly draw out of this experience? Um, Of course, one um, very important lesson for me is that um, there are in such a process 
windows of opportunities which you can open up as engaged public so um, um, what I would like to say is sim simply that um, uh, the urban development projects like um, at Checkpoint Charlie are not um, predetermined um, there are um, options during this process and um, this is uh, very important to um, believe in Uh, democratic participatory uh, involvement in, in urban development. So um, this is one lesson. A, th a second lesson is um, simply, simply that um, you should never automatically trust a left-wing government. Um, there is always um, a keen eye of the interested public um, needed on their concrete actions. Um, otherwise, um, they can do also a very conventional um, urban development politics. So get involved there. So and um, the third lesson is um, uh, for me, um, the, the question how concrete matters of concern in urban development and concrete issue publics get to get connected to to broader discourses of um, democracy political formation uh, inequalities and so on and how are so those um, discourses mobilized in concrete interventions And or in how far are those bigger narratives not so important to change some um, concrete matter of concern? So this is um, maybe um, um, from an academ academic point of view quite quite interesting. So um, these are the three um, lessons I um, take out of this case. In this episode, Reclaiming the Tourist City, we have looked at the controversy around the Checkpoint Charlie development and the approaches that the left-wing government has taken. We give you the last word, Christoph. Did a reclaiming of this tourist city at Checkpoint Charlie take place? I would um, ask a little bit more precise what exactly should or could be reclaimed at a place like um, Checkpoint Charlie. Firstly, the case um, of Checkpoint Charlie renders visible an ongoing and older debate about how to deal with heritage. Should we clear the way for a Disney-esque heritage industry or um, do we find other ways of remembering at such places? So uh, the fact that there will not be a Hard Rock Hotel with um, Cold War exhibits in the lounge speaks um, clearly for reclaiming the heritage value to a certain degree. Tourism valorization or tourism-driven valorization is stopped to a certain degree. But um, on the other hand, it is um, still an open question in how far the planned monothematic museum about the Cold War will um, push touristification and musealization ahead. So um, I would sum up that um, to a certain degree, um, the heritage value is reclaimed. But um, there are other aspects 
um, which can be reclaimed as well. Um, uh, for example, the um, regarding the question of basic tourism in infrastructures. So that means the decision to build 300 apartments at this place instead of a hotel um, is a clear statement um, to ask a more general question, um, which is how much hotels do we need in inner city cities? How much souvenir shops do we need in inner cities? How much retail places? So When we have a look at other cities, like for example Barcelona, where we find a hotel ban, or in Amsterdam we find a souvenir shop ban, if you want it like that, we see that there is a debate going on about these tourism infrastructures and in how far we need ever more of them in inner cities. So um, in this respect, um, something was reclaimed at Checkpoint Charlie as well. And um, maybe... Another very important aspect is, is um, in how far um, a Checkpoint Charlie rec a reclaiming of public democratic control over urban land took place. Um, until now, it is an open question whether the federal state of Berlin will buy back parts of the empty sites From my point of view, um, this is totally needed. And um, in this respect, the case of Checkpoint Charlie is... Um, but the, the case of che Checkpoint Charlie is not very well connected to these bigger debates about public ownership of urban land. So this brings me to, to the very last point, um, which is that maybe tourism needs to be discussed more more eagerly on, on a political level as a, as a social question of urban futures. We see, for example, in the connection of gentrification and touristification that um, tourism is recognized there as a powerful um, moment shaping the urban. But I think as well in urban studies and um, of course also in urban politics, um, tourism needs to be um, taken more seriously into account as a very, very intense and powerful um, power shaping urban futures. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you for listening to The Urban Political. For more information, visit our website urbanpolitical.org Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter.